0: The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good takes. But
1: so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Homance Chronicles, and I'm Sarah.
0: <laughs> and I'm Nicole. With Sir William in tow.
1: If you want to adopt a dog, he's still available. Well, not.
0: we've got potential adopters. They yes. seem legit. So yeah, I should be good, actually.
1: Yes, but. you will be. He's going to find us forever home this week. I promise.
0: Yes. But as I was pulling this story together, it took me double the amount of time because he kept stepping on my computer. Licking the mouse, <laughs> licking me. Um, just generalizing attention, unplugging the power cord. Oh my I God. mean, you name the things, and I was like, okay. He's like a well, cat thankfully dog. the lady that I'm covering today, our hoe of history, is there's not a lot of gossip about her, so there's like half the amount of pages that I normally do. Uh oh, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we we're missing the hot gas, but that's okay. Cause I'm sure it's going to be good.
0: Yeah. But so I was like, actually, thankfully this is a shorter one because he, he would not let me work on this. Mm. Like it was quite the challenge. I don't know what the deal was, but he was like, play with me, play with me, play with me. Yep. <laughs> he just, it's
1: spring favor. It's summertime. He's excited.
0: Oh, Ready for his lordy, forever home. Lordy. Yeah. Have I mentioned how much work being a foster mom is? It's a (laughs) lot of work. Just FYI, if anybody's listening is considering doing this out of the kindness of their heart. Be sure you're running on a full tank. That's all we're going to (laughs) say. Make sure your tank is full. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. But I have been referred to as a a hero and an angel. I mean, you
1: are, that's what you are. (laughs) Cause those people know, speaking of heroes and angels, we went on vacation and got home yesterday and put on a show on discovery. Plus that was sort of like 90 day fiance, you know, um, and then it thrust us right into the Natalia grace story, which we fucking rabbit hole binged for the entire evening. So highly recommend this story on discovery plus called Natalia grace she's the background story for the orphan that movie the orphan
0: oh i don't know any of this like all like what you're saying to me sounds like another language
1: yes okay so this child has i don't know the best way to describe it is spina bifida from oh wedding singer like i can't i can't articulate the correct medical terms so i apologize to everybody who are who's offended But that's the best way to equate it like that's what she's got she's she's got dwarfism and she's got um you know she needs assistance with everything and she's got a pretty rare form of it there's not very many people in the united states with it etc she was born in the ukraine and brought over here naturalized and the story of her adoptive parents is just fucking insane like i highly recommend everybody go watch it we're not a true crime podcast i'm not going to do it but
0: she, the one who was also t- pretending to be older.
1: She wasn't pretending to be older. It turns out the story goes, the courts reissued her age and made her, she went from age 14 to 22.
0: Yeah. Okay. I was like, I, as soon as you said Ukraine, I'm like, wait,
1: yes, you've heard the something story. with
0: her. Yes. There's something with her age. And- yes. Yes. so
1: she was brought over and they kept you know making her younger than she was so that somebody would take her because she's got this disease going and it turns out the adoptive mother was a complete fucking psychopath like legitimate psychopath Mm -hmm. narcissistic Mm -hmm. and this shit's still ongoing today so it was like relevant as of like last year they did their final whatever recordings for the production but It is an intense ass story. The way it was produced is incredibly great. Like they did such a good job because they lead in with what all the, you know, original gossip was, was this chick was older than she was on paper and she was tricking this family into giving her Mm -hmm. a house and home and torturing the family, trying to kill everybody. Well, yeah, she was doing that because the mom was beating the fuck out of her and super abusing her. And playing victim when people were around, but when people weren't around, she was fucking abusing her, like throwing her down the stairs type shit, letting her kids beat on her. Like it's incredibly fucked up. So this, they decided that because they were able to get her re-aged in the court system, that they were no longer responsible for her. And the mom made it so that she was at the right age where she was fiscally not responsible for her
0: either because Mm -hmm. she was an adoptive child. Mm -hmm. So they
1: dropped her in the middle of a city in Indiana where, you know, it's super dangerous. I'm familiar with all
0: this now. Yes. Yes. Except for the abusive part.
1: Well, that that part didn't show up until this documentary, I think.
0: Yeah. I'm like, because uh, the story thus far has, at least from a marketing perspective or I don't know, the, the storyline that has continued to surface is that, yeah, she like lied about her age to get adopted.
1: Yeah, no, nope. Not the case. The people lied about her age. So they would adopt her. She ended up getting severely abused mentally, physically, et cetera. And she, because of the lack of structure and support she had and like actual like parents and stuff, she started acting out in ways that were seen as sociopathic behavior but in reality she was reacting reacting that way because she was being fucking abused Mm. and she was neglected so it's like it's a crazy ass story and then it's obvious that the dad is on the spectrum and the one of the children is on the spectrum too and that's you know another part of the story is that he's a super genius and then it comes out that the mom was this controlling crazy person who was super narcissistic and cheating on him with everybody else and would use sex as a manipulation and a tactic for her to like do things for her and she was a complete total psychopath narcissistic crazy person and instead of going to like the police when being threatened or like going to the doctors and you know being good honest people She manipulated the situation into, well, I'm going to find one doctor that thinks that she's a sociopath because I'm going to start to tell them things that she's doing and they're not going to believe her because she's a little girl. And then they got her re-aged when they realized they couldn't handle her issues. Fucked up.
0: And then it's so weird. It's like, why did they even want to adopt her in the first place? Especially because she wanted the
1: image, she wanted the image of being that person. Like, the mom
0: was all about
1: image. So, the families that took her in once she made her way to Indiana were, as the mom described, like white trash. But they're the ones that were like so furious about what was going on, recognized that she was re-aged at the misappropriate age like she was only 14 when she was being told she had to live alone in an apartment complex with other strangers and she was on like um low income you know bridge card all of it so like all this crazy shit went down and it was just like 2019 through 2022 that all this other stuff came out where now she's old enough she can articulate what was going on she's got a good group of people that are like supporting her and all this crazy shit so Go watch it. Italia Grace on Discovery Plus. It's incredible. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I definitely have heard this story or you know, obviously bits and pieces of it before because yeah, it it was coming back to me, but man, it's crazy.
1: It's crazy. And I'm not gonna give you like the dad gets charged. I'm not gonna tell you the verdict because you all just need to go watch and advertising for these people, not sponsored. Fuck man.
0: (laughs) I don't have Discovery (laughs) Plus. You
1: are missing out. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I uh, I was watching like old Project Runway All-Stars.
1: Oh, yeah. That's and having it
0: on too. in the background while I was doing stuff because that's a show that you don't have to like really pay attention to. Right. And I added a potential hoe of history to our list. Hell, yeah. There was a woman who was a judge and she was like, the first supermodel international model something I don't know but she had a career of modeling for 70 years. Like she was still modeling when she was like 80. Like, Whoa. She, yeah. And so I added her to the list. I was That's like That's awesome. I know. I know. And so I um I didn't do her this week because I wasn't a hundred percent confident that I remembered how to pronounce her name. (laughs) Dog wasn't letting me do shit. I was like, God damn it. Cause I really wanted to, um, to focus on her, but I think she might still be alive. Not that it matters. You can do it live, but, um, anyway, I was like, I'm going to have to look at some YouTubes or go back to that episode and be like, how did they pronounce her name?
1: So, <laughs> and then write so it out phonetically. Week,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's, it, for this week, I went with like the simplest of names. Perfect. Florence Kelly. Hell yeah, Florence <laughs> Kelly.
1: Let's run it. <laughs> I mean, Florence isn't super simple, but yes.
0: Well, I was like, I can go with Flo. Yeah, totally. Flo- <laughs> she's i was like i don't think she would have liked flow but probably um, not i don't know you never know with these girls so actually yeah, at one point in the story it is specified that she likes to be referred to as mrs kelly
1: <laughs> oh that's gonna be a good one then <laughs> actually you can refer to me as mrs kelly thank you
0: yeah <laughs> my bad all right my bad um so again i just we've got our ongoing list i just randomly picked one based on the fact that i could pronounce her name easily today <laughs> and um Stretch goals. she was a social and political reformer and actually the pioneer of the term wage see this is why i didn't choose something tricky i can't even <laughs> say wage today um is a pioneer of the term wage abolitionism
1: wow so, okay yes That's what let's unpack this one,
0: right? So, her work against sweatshops and for the minimum wage, eight hour workdays, and children's rights is a lot of what how we still operate today. So, yeah, she's extremely influential. The story is going to just sound like a bunch of accolades for the most part. (laughs) 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 I was right as I was like pulling the information together, I'm like, this is just like. And then this award, and then this charity, and then this thing, and then this thing. And so I was like, well, we're going to try to spice it up, but she really (laughs) didn't have much gossip.
1: I mean, that's, I'm not surprised what year? okay. Let's start. What's, what's her year.
0: So Florence was born September 12th, 1859. Okay. So she was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and was pushed into social activism as a kid. So, her father was William D. Kelly, and he was a self made man. He was an abolitionist, um, founder of the Republican Party, <laughs> a judge, and a longtime member of the Jesus. U.S. House of Representatives.
1: Okay. So, the, her father started the Republican Party.
0: He had very strict principles, and um, he taught his daughter about child workers. And several times he actually took her to go see young children working in steel and glass factories, like under dangerous conditions. Like he straight up was exposing her to real life and the people who are not as fortunate as them um, from the time that she was little.
1: I mean, so basically instilling right off the bat, like, hey, this could be you be lucky that i well, do something yeah, yeah
0: I mean they had a life of privilege but he he was self-made so I it was it's very much like you know yeah. the like you have to work hard to get where you want to be but like not this hard like children in factories is right. appropriate right
1: <laughs> yeah I feel like it's kind of Maybe reminiscent of when our my parents would take us downriver and be like, this is where your family's from. like we've busted our asses to get out of yeah. this type shit. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then um Florence's great aunt, Sarah Pugh, she lived as a Quaker and as an opponent of slavery. So uh her great aunt denied or made a decision, I guess, to deny the use of cotton and sugar because of the connection to slave labor. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she had, I mean, and those are just two people. Like her mom also followed like very strict principles and things as well. And they all, you know, stood for something, but her, um, her great aunt was definitely an advocate for women and would tell Florence all about her life as like an oppressed woman. So (laughs) heavy childhood, um, but it gets heavier. Because Florence had two brothers and five sisters, but all five sisters died in childhood.
1: Oh, no. There's the tragic drama right there. Yeah. That's awful. I'm assuming sickness and all that other shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they only (laughs) said why three of the five uh, (laughs) had passed away, and those three... We're all before six years old, um, but yes, due to illness. And I mean, actually, Florence wasn't super healthy either. Like she was quite sick and really susceptible to infections. So uh, there was a period of time where she couldn't go to school. Oh, man. I know. And again, like as I was putting the story together, I'm like the threads of history that we come across that are just constantly the same, um, with children, not making it the world, not having the technology and medical capabilities of, you know, helping children and stuff the way that we do nowadays. Right. Um, yeah, th- there's just a lot of common threads through this story compared to our other stories where you're like, Oh, there it is again. There's that
1: pattern <laughs> that great right? point
0: Um, so when she would miss school, she'd actually just read books in her father's library. Um, Oh, that's
1: cool. I mean, at least I love how they continued to like try to educate themselves.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, and she did well enough that at the age of 16, she enrolled in Cornell University.
1: Oh, yeah. That's pretty great.
0: So, yeah. I mean, again, she... Had illness and it forced her to leave for two years, but she graduated. Um, she did. She didn't quit. She she eventually graduated in 1882. Um, she was a Phi Beta Kappa member and she wrote her thesis about disadvantaged children. Oh,
1: how old was she? I mean,
0: well, she was 16 when she started college.
1: Okay, yeah. So she was about that. So
0: when she wrote her thesis she was probably in her early 20s yeah that makes sense since she um had to take take a couple of years off for school our first sickness
1: i feel like this the, the quality of the thesis is likely that of somebody who was like in their late 30s or early 40s and had been in academia their entire lives
0: percent <laughs> <laughs> you know it was um <laughs> so she wanted to study law at the University of Pennsylvania. And just pin that idea, that note for later. Mm-hmm. Um, she wasn't allowed to study law though because of her gender. Mm-hmm. So um, I was and then, like
1: surprised she made it into the university. I was like, as an actual student or as like a participation? Well, Cornell student?
0: she did, but the University of Pennsylvania for law, she did not. Right. She mm-hmm. was a woman. So, you know, oh, no, what, no. Does she, what does she have to do here? What's her purpose here? Right. Oh,
1: aside from making babies barefoot in the kitchen.
0: Right. And just keep on making them. Cause you never know if they're going to live.
1: <laughs> That's not funny, but it's funny. I just
0: can't imagine. I just can't imagine.
1: That's like a whole different way to look at a family. Like, Oh, this precious person has come into my life and I'm going to cherish them forever, but also they could die. So I got to make like 13 more of them just in case.
0: Right. Because my legacy has to live on. Yes.
1: yes. Somebody needs to take care of this family when I get real sick. Like, fuck.
0: Yeah. Um, so since she couldn't get into the University of Pennsylvania, she pursued her passion uh, for working women by founding and attending evening classes at the New Century Guild for Working Women in Philadelphia. So she actually taught evening classes there was like one of the first people to do it and then attended classes herself as well
1: fuck yeah girl
0: yeah um so another common thread she went to Europe at some point they all make their way to Europe
1: how Was she in the stateroom? Did she have a port window? <laughs> she next to the cow. She's
0: from a family of means. I'm mm-hmm. sure she made it in a little bit more luxurious than with the cattle. A but family
1: of means?
0: Yes. <laughs> she is.
1: I know. It's funny, though. I just like the expressions that we pull from those eras. hmm <sighs>
0: So she went to Europe to continue her studies at the University of Zurich, and um, that's that's the first european university to actually grant degrees to women. so
1: also badass.
0: that's where she went. um she joined a group of students advocating for socialism and uh became particularly fond of karl marx who comes up also quite frequently in our stories. Uh, um
1: emma emma would not be okay with this.
0: <laughs>
1: emma goldman would be fucking pissed.
0: <laughs> yeah. um so in 1887 Florence published a translation of Frederick Engels The Condition of the Working Class in England into English. Okay. So um it was published in New York and it was with his approval that she did this and the at, her being the author her name on the this published work is her married name which is Mrs F Kelly which new ski, which new, new would ski. and it's still like that today. So my whole purpose of trying to avoid a name I could not pronounce, and then she marries a Russian, Polish-Russian guy with seven hundred consonants in his last name. <laughs> like, at least it's the universe. only
1: time you have to announce
0: it. No, nope, I got well. I guess I have it one other time. Oh. Um, so in Zurich, she met various European socialists. Including Polish Russian medical student Lazar Uh so they got married in 1884. They moved to New York in 1886. They had three children together. I don't know if they had. I don't know if they had a kid when they moved or not. There's not a timeline of the children, um, but they got married in 1884 moved to New York, 1886, and then separated in 1889. I know it was very quick, um, but they managed to have three children in that time. Um, so they separated in 1889 and Florence took the kids to Chicago. Like they fled to Chicago.
1: Everybody was, ha- everything was happening in Chicago too. At that time.
0: Yeah. She went there with purpose. Um, So... She wanted to get divorced because of his physical abuse and overflowing debt.
1: Oh, no.
0: So Now we have another man who can't fucking pay the bills.
1: Jesus. This is ridiculous. This is becoming ridiculous.
0: I mean, it's unbelievable what single mothers dealt with Back in the day, not saying that single women mothers don't have a shit ton to deal with today. Like I, I completely understand that scenario, but I mean, you just think about like how much harder it was to do all of this before 1900.
1: Right. Laundry wasn't just throwing it in a machine and then forgetting about it and running it again. Laundry was a full day's exercise because you had to go to a washtub and you had to have a laundry board. You had to soap. You had to have all the fucking time to actually wash your clothes. Like on top of all that,
0: trying to figure out where there's, and they're still like denying her (laughs) things because she's a woman and there's even, there was, this is the only piece of gossip really that I could find is that there was some sources that stated that she wasn't able to initially get the divorce because of non-support, whatever that means. Basically, I, you know, somebody siding with her husband or with the male in general or something, I assume, but like, can you imagine we can't get a divorce because you don't have support on your side? Like, you don't have somebody like saying it's okay for you.
1: Right. Like you're so destitute. I can't divorce you. That's not fair.
0: I, it's so weird. Um, So anyway, they actually did get divorced in 1891. So it took a couple of years. Um, She did end up with full custody of the kids. And that's when she decided to revert back to her maiden name. And that's when she said that she preferred people to call her Mrs. Kelly.
1: I get it now. (laughs) I get it now. Yeah. I will call you Mrs. Kelly for the whole (laughs) time.
0: Oh, um, she joins a reform group in Chicago, and this is going to sound very familiar, and I'm pretty sure that this is where I got her name from. I talked about uh the whole house, the whole house settlement in Chicago, and Jane Adams. Remember Jane Adams, and her last name was spelled a d d like
1: mm-hmm.
0: with the Adams family
1: mm-hmm.
0: so the Adams with the double d's um <laughs> so she was like 32 with these three kids divorced and so she joined Jane Adams and several other women at Hull House so she was one of the women there
1: wow
0: yeah so her first job Uh, when she got to the whole house settlement, which I guess I can do a brief, like reminder of what the settlement is like the whole house settlement is like, uh, in my mind, it's kind of like a YMCA, like a community driven place where they're focusing on art and education, but mainly for like women and children. So it actually is, um, you don't necessarily have to be like homeless to go there, but it was educated women. Offering up their knowledge um, and a safe place for the less privileged. Um, It's
1: like a community center.
0: It is. Yeah. But you live there. Right. So um, her first job after getting the whole house was to visit the area around the settlement. So she was surveying the working conditions in local factories and she found children as young as three or four working in sweatshops. <sighs> you know, heartbreaking.
1: But like also, what, what what are they doing? And how are they doing it? Because well? I started thinking
0: about it and I'm like, what does a three or four year old even know how to do? They can't right, even tie right. their shoes. They sell Velcro.
1: Maybe they're, well, Velcro hadn't been invented yet. So that wasn't a thing.
0: But you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I'm just like putting into perspective, like.
1: I was going to say, well, maybe a they're three, Velcroing the four and year old. <laughs>
0: They like they can't eat like their their mind and body don't even work in conjunction.
1: <laughs> I want I want to pick that up. It's gonna take me a minute. Man, here we go.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, ruthless. I don't know what was going on there. Um. So the report of this survey, along with some of her other studies. Was presented to the state, resulting in the Illinois state legislature bringing about the first factory law prohibiting employment of children under the age of fourteen.
1: Hey, girl.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. So then, based on the success of that happening, Florence was appointed to serve as Illinois' first chief factory inspector.
1: How cute! So. That's
0: obviously I don't have to state that she was also the first woman to do it. Cause she was the first person yes. to do it in general. Um, she kicked it off. Right. So, um, she had the task of like basically monitoring the application of this law
1: and like regionals, like all over the place or just in her one area of Illinois.
0: Uh, no, it was for the state. So, so she
1: got to travel and stuff. Yeah. Cool.
0: Yep. So she would, um, try to force sweatshops to follow the rules to treat their employees better.
1: <laughs> I wonder if they I mean, did this for her as that. Like- I, I
0: was like, this is so simple. Like why this is like the simplest. like, just try to treat your employees better. <laughs> I don't well, she even, but so she did try to sue several businesses and wasn't lucky enough to win. So that actually inspired her to become a lawyer. But as you know, I had stated earlier, she wanted to go to law school, Yeah, but the, she couldn't go because of her gender. So now at this time, uh. <laughs> sorry, I got to move the dog around. So now at this time <laughs> the, the need to further prosecute violators of uh, her own law, basically, what gave her the ambition to enroll in law school at Northwestern University. That's so right. she did graduate in 1894 and then subsequently passed the bar.
1: Hell yeah. And that's- so she was
0: like, oh, I can't win these in court. I guess I'll just go become a lawyer and <laughs> figure out how to do it.
1: I mean, if there's a will, there's a way, I guess.
0: It's just mind-blowing to me. You have three children. You're traveling around the state. You're making sure that other people's children are not getting abused. And yet you still are making time to become a lawyer.
1: I wonder if it was like, I feel as though the depth, we had more breadth than depth back then. You know what I mean? Like it probably didn't take as much as it does now to become a lawyer. Because all of those cases hadn't happened yet.
0: Maybe. I thought you were going to refer to being a parent.
1: No, it takes a fuckload to be a parent, regardless of the era. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: I know. I thought there was not as much depth. And I'm like, well, yeah, mental health and stuff is new. As <laughs> much about the side effects of their poor yeah. word choices. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so Florence interacted with the Chicago Women's Club under Jane Adams like sponsorship. like you had to have somebody say like this person's cool. So by establishing a <laughs> Bureau of Women's Labor within the whole house, um, as an organization, The whole house provided Florence the opportunity to bypass male organizations Uh, in order to pursue social activism for women. So they basically, as a workaround for government and male run politics, created their own Bureau of Women's Labor. (laughs) That's amazing. They're like, okay, well, we're, we're this thing now. Respect. So us. we're just going to go around you. <laughs> hey, that was fun. Bye. <laughs> so, um, because women at the time, I mean, they were denied participation in formal politics.
1: Right. They didn't have any, they weren't allowed to actively be any politicians. They had to do like. like
0: yeah, you still couldn't vote or anything at this time, obviously, right? right. So they're like, well, we'll just create this organization. It's fine. It's no big deal. I'm and sure. so Florence is actually credited with starting the social justice feminism movement because of it.
1: Fuck yeah. So, yeah. I mean, something had to be done.
0: So then in 1899, she moved to Lillian Wald's Henry Street settlement in New York City. Um, That's where she became general secretary of the National Consumers League, which again made they made it up
1: <laughs> part of me is like are they just doing this to satisfy her squeaky wheelness or are they doing this in hopes that she's right you know what I mean like do they actually Both. support her or do they think Both. she's not like whatever the fuck man go ahead do your thing.
0: <laughs> well I mean there was a lot of fodder I guess about how she would disagree with people about how things were written how you wanted to present things mm-hmm. that she was yes very um feisty
1: yeah so it's just like fine, Florence, Fine. Fine. Right. You right. Do whatever you want. I have a feeling. So right.
0: so the, this league, national consumers league, also known as NCL, um, in New York had the objective of encouraging consumers to buy products only from companies that met the NCL's standards.
1: Oh, look at that.
0: Yeah. So they standards. set standards for minimum wage and working conditions.
1: Standards. Huh?
0: Mm-hmm. I know women have been fighting to have standards our entire existence on this planet. I
1: was going to say like boundaries and standards. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like there's a pattern here.
0: Yes. Um, <laughs> so Lawrence worked to shorten the work days and pay workers more money. So she helped create 10-hour workdays because they were previously 12, 14, 16. So um, she got it down to 10-hour workdays, and she enacted some state minimum wage laws.
1: Mrs. Kelly.
0: (laughs) Well, she had, I guess, a bunch of studies or like found some sort of scientific proof that... It was poor for women's health to work more than 10 hours a day. Hell yeah.
1: Science. So, I mean, I'm just yeah. poor for like I'm can we go to like maybe six hours a day? Is that
0: okay? <laughs> it's more than that, it's a little much. Can we get paid equally? Like <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <No>? okay. Um, <laughs>
1: no when <wonder> you're regular. <laughs> we can rediscuss in a little while. It's fine.
0: <laughs> the interesting is I just thought about this now. It's not written here. But um, there are, I don't know if there's studies per se, maybe there's articles about how much harder it is for women to work normal work days because of our menstrual cycles and not just like the bleeding part. I'm saying like that because you are hormonally changing every fucking day throughout the month, like how much harder or how much of a challenge it is for women yeah, to work you know, the current, the same schedule as men right? because we're fighting internal battles.
1: Well, so our hormones take 24 to 28 days to cycle, whereas right. a man's hormones only take 24 hours. So they wake up feeling the same every day. We don't. Our mental state's all over the fucking map every day. It's a lot of work being in this body. I don't understand why they want it so bad. Take it. You want this? Man with a penis, you can have it. (laughs) Give me your luxury, please.
0: I know. So, um, yeah, that's just some fun side reading if anyone's interested, but there are definitely articles out there about that. Um, So, Florence worked with Josephine Clara Goldmark, who was um, the director of research at the NCL to prepare the Brandeis brief. And that was for a case um, in Oregon where it's Mueller versus Oregon. And um, it was argued by Louis D. Brandeis, the attorney. And it was through the use of statistics from medical and sociological journals. The case was able to prove that long work days, often 12 to 14 hours, had a devastating effect on women's health. So in this decision, the Supreme Court declared the legality of Oregon's 10-hour workday for women. So this was an important victory, not only in regulating women's work, but also in the greater battle for improving just general conditions of work in America. And so in um, the year following the Mueller versus Oregon case, the NCL launched a minimum wage campaign. That would lead to the passage of laws in 14 states.
1: See, I feel like at this point, we've lost the Florence Kellys of the world. Like we've lost these people who were for the people and would have these ground up movements in some way, shape or form. We have them still, but they get lost in the chatter anymore. Like they either get caught up in scams, they get silenced, they get, you know, canceled canceled yeah well, you said some <laughs> shit when you were 14 fuck you like
0: <laughs> i know i feel like I know. We're,
1: we're like missing this era of like standing up for ourselves and the greater good like looking at ourselves as a body of well and it always and leads to
0: it always seems to lead to like something confrontational like people tend to go do like protests or right try to do something that's really splashy and gets a lot of media attention and that always seems to backfire right Ugh. um anyway. whereas i feel like florence very much was just using her connections and sheer will and annoyingness and fierceness to yeah. basically quote unquote bully people into <laughs> better conditions yeah. um <laughs> Force. So she used to actually travel around the country. She'd give lectures and raise awareness of working conditions in the United States. So I would say that's as close to a politician as you could be without being one. Oh, and um, she's an one important initiative of the NCL was the introduction of the white label. Oh. So employers who met the standard of the NCL by utilizing the labor law and keeping the safety standards had the right to display the white label.
1: The prestigious white label. Yeah. Did that mean they could charge more money for the product?
0: I don't know. I mean, like basic you... business sense says that they probably had to in order to pay the wages and things that were required of that. Right. Um. So
1: I'm wondering if that was the leverage there for the fight. Like, hey, you can charge more for this product because it's made with more blah, blah, blah. Anyway.
0: I mean, maybe Um, the NCL definitely encouraged their customers to also boycott products that did not have a white label. So there's that too. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I don't know what the strategy was behind it, but obviously if you come from a place of giving a shit and having a little bit of money, then you know it's kind of like how sustainability is marketed today you're like okay well then i'll buy this sweatshirt that comes from 98% recycled materials instead of this other one if it's only 2 dollars more right
1: yeah precisely
0: um so she organized like 60 local and state consumers leagues and um in new york She actually organized the New York Child Labor Committee in 1902. And in 1904, she was a founder of the National Child Labor Committee. So her efforts are really the basis and like the full foundation behind the U.S. Children's Bureau that was started in 1912 and that I think still exists and operates today.
1: I hope it does. Um. They're getting all willy nilly with these laws again over in the southern states. (laughs) It's making me nervous.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, the South has many reasons to make me nervous. Um, (laughs) Do it's some of the shit's going down there. I'm lying. This is full spectrum. Three. So in 1907, Florence organized New York's Committee on Congestion of Population.
1: Okay. We're switching. It yes.
0: Up. So her and Mary Kingsbury Simkovich sponsored an exhibit on the causes and consequences consequences of congestion and methods for alleviating it. So that then spurred into the first national conference on city planning.
1: Oh no. In 1909. So city city planning has some fucking dark history to it, does it? Yes, it certainly does.
0: Well, (laughs) it's it's bringing up imagery now of like the underground tunnels. Um,
1: no, it's more like that's not what you mean though. But um, planned out segregation and yes, like um, creating conditions that are nearly impossible to live in separating, you know, uh, groups of people by putting giant thoroughfares through cities, but also, Oh, like, sure.
0: Sure. Also, yeah. Like, they still do that today with voting. What do they call gentrifying? Gerrymandering. The- gerrymandering? Yeah. But yeah, gerrymandering, also,
1: yeah, like, um, like a lot of the landscaping, it goes as deep as like the landscaping even. And mm-hmm. five well, six. and
0: I purposefully not just because this is chronological order, but put this next statement after the whole city planning and like congestion part, because even though Florence was a white woman, she helped organize the NAACP. I saw that. (laughs) So yeah. This is Kelly. Yes. The national advancement of colored people. Um, So Florence's investigation into the labor conditions and all the city planning, like is what made her aware of how the different races were being treated differently in the workplace. So in uh, 1913, she studied the federal patterns of distribution of funds for education. Oh. So not only was she like, okay, labor conditions are bad, you know, they're being set up from the start to basically fail, Mm -hmm. especially with children in schools. And like that sucks because they have no choice. Like the child did nothing right to get them into a a location that can't educate them as well as other locations. And all of that deciding of where money goes and who goes to what school is all handled by the the white man. so of
1: course, of course,
0: yeah. So she noticed a lot of inequitable distributions for white schools as opposed to black schools. Mm -hmm. So that launched her to create the Sterling discrimination bill, which was actually an attack on another bill. And that bill proposed federal sanction, like the bill that she was attacking. Let me put it that way. Mm -hmm. Bill that she was attacking that bill proposed federal sanction of $2 and 98 cents per capita for teachers for We'll call it quote unquote colored children because that's what this bill says, and $10.32 per capita for children at white schools.
1: Oh my God.
0: That is more than an $8 difference.
1: That is a huge disparage.
0: Like, we're teachers.
1: I'm blown away right now. I shouldn't be. Yes. And we think this shit doesn't happen anymore. We're we're all wrong. Anybody yeah, it says it doesn't happen anymore. You're wrong,
0: and this was mainly happening. Guess where? 15 schools in the south. No, <laughs> <laughs> look at that. Would you look at that? <laughs> uh huh. The south and Washington, D.C. I shouldn't leave out where the actual political uh, yeah. people come from. So, um. The NAACP held the position that it would perpetuate the continual discrimination and neglect of the public schools for black people. So they were like, we're going to continue to fight these bills and the gross disparaging, you know, differences between. Yeah, like it's insane. Um. So Florence used her power in Congress and her like personal connections um to avoid discrimination from being from laws being passed so um gotcha. especially with the ones with school funds like she was able to avoid quite a few of them from being passed and she was um, the
1: opposite of fuck them kids
0: yeah so um in 1921 she pushed the board of directors of the NAACP to oppose bills that discriminate based on race in expenditure towards school funds so she's like okay we're gonna attack like the difference that you're gonna pay the teachers the difference that you're gonna pay um in just how the school is run the types of books and supplies that are given and they all needed their own like separate bills or separate statements within the bills like it's insane how how you can't just blanket statement that we're going to have equal stuff at equal schools. No,
1: no. You, and that's where I hate, like, yes, it is your job to litigate and it's your job to do these things, but why are we doing, you're doing it so much that people can't combat it. Like it's nearly impossible. You want me to write to the, what kind of eraser people need to be able to use. And the fact that we all have to have number two pencils, like maybe that's where this all came from in the first place. It's like, right. I have a number two pencil because Florence said so.
0: <laughs> Wait, well, yeah. Standardized testing. Right. You're going to have a black school, not be able to participate in standardized testing because the testing place is requiring number two pencils and the black school can't afford them. Right. Because right. they're well, not being given money by the government.
1: I mean, it it
0: just it goes on and on and on, and I I mean, again, I give this woman so much credit for her like tenacity, yes, and and just ability to keep fucking going. Like, I I can't imagine. I I'd feel so overwhelmed and burned out and well, she didn't have cell
1: phones. They didn't have social media. They didn't have all the other shit that we have.
0: Sure. Sure. But I mean, mean, this is like, it's overwhelming when you start, like when you have to dig into, yeah, do they need to write out that they have to have the same size eraser? Like, fuck.
1: Well, I mean, they probably had all the time in the world to fucking do this because (laughs) the other distractions, except for I don't know.
0: As you mentioned, the laundry took much longer. (laughs) All your chores took (laughs) a lot longer. I don't know. But, um. But yeah, man, the sheer will behind her. So um, then she started lobbying for the Shepherd Towner Act, which created the nation's first social welfare program to fight against maternal and infant mortality by funding healthcare clinics specialized in those areas. Dabble, which, dabble. I mean, obviously she has a, a very close connection to infant mat- mortality. Mm. Then mm-hmm. she lost five sisters. All of
1: them. All of her sisters.
0: Um, so then in 1919, she was the founding member of the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom.
1: Yeah, I want that too.
0: Yeah, we still do. And um, still for several years, she served as vice president of the National American Women's Suffrage Association. All right. All right. So... Uh, Miss Florence Kelly, Mrs. Kelly, she died in the Germantown section of Philadelphia on February 17th, 1932 at the age of 72. So she lived a long life of fighting, um,
1: aggressive life. She was tired.
0: I mean, in 1932, I feel like 72 is like a,
1: that's a pretty pretty good old age. Right. Yeah, She was old maid by then.
0: I mean, nowadays you think of 72 and you're like, eh. You still got you know. some life. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, got,
1: you got a couple of years left. You're good. <laughs> At least 25. You keep going.
0: Uh, so yeah, she spent like her entire life fighting for better conditions for workers and equality for women and African-Americans. Um, Jane Addams' nephew called Florence, quote, the toughest customer in the reform riot the finest rough and tumble fighter for the good life for others that Hull house ever knew.
1: Oh, yeah. that's a good one.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So I got information from our good friend, Wikipedia, social welfare dot which was a university, Virginia, I think Virginia university library, mm-hmm. um, Britannica, uh womenshistory.org and actually kids.kittle.co <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got to start young you know history is important we can't repeat it
0: i was like again i was you know i was poking around for anything like juicier about her her personal life and there really just wasn't anything yeah and I, then i, I googled all... like
1: florence kelly drama and crazy and nothing came up I was <laughs> like well damn that's really you did? Yeah. Oh, really? I was gonna see if there's any some like dirt.
0: <laughs> was there? No, nothing. No, I was saying so a lot of these um sites that I got information from, they either really truncated things or got like way too detailed. And so I used the kids site for like more easy explanation. I get of it. These things. I get it.
1: Because <laughs> all the fucking different bureaus that she was in all the laws that she probably got into were all like lawyer speak how the fuck are we supposed to report on this shit when we don't understand the language it's a whole new well, world and so
0: that's why a lot of them I think were just so truncated like right like she did this one sentence <laughs> like, okay and then I go to wikipedia and they're like on the NAACP section it's like you know mounds of information I'm like oh okay hold on I need I need somewhere in the middle. I need, I'm Goldilocks. Can I get like in the middle?
1: Also too, like they'll do this thing where they'll do a bucket and they'll categorize it under NAACP, but she did so many other things in parallel. So it's like, you got to jump through that category and then do your own timeline. I understand.
0: Yes. Yes. I had to do a lot of my own timeline today.
1: Like Emma Goldman, Emma, she had an aggressive amount of life. So she had an aggressive amount of things that she was doing. There was no way to keep that woman's timeline in order. Yeah. No way.
0: Yep. Oh, so yeah. I, I, I did pretty good with the timeline today. Yeah. Piecing, thank you. Meal, piecing it together. Piecemealing it.
1: Cause, uh, Florence is a very important lady and I was not aware of all this information. Again, the American education system fails us.
0: I know. Well, and then the fact that I couldn't find any other personal information, I'm like, she really did dedicate her life to serving because. She from the seams of it, she didn't get remarried.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't. or have like any
0: affairs or anything that like stood out enough, I guess. And yeah. so again, we've got a single woman leading this charge, leading this movement, creating her own organizations to like work around men, In and it's earnest. like it's so wild to me. I'm like women amazing do not yeah have not gotten enough credit yeah
1: like the thing that's also crazy is the fact that like she did all this for other people she wasn't the one suffering in any way shape or form she was a true advocate for those that she was fighting for she did Mm -hmm. not want for anything
0: no her family turned her into an advocate when she was a kid
1: and i feel like that in my opinion in this capitalistic country that we live in it should be like that still you know people who have the privilege and power should still be advocating for those who are less than I think we've lost our compassion in this country honestly
0: well and I I also strongly believe that um parents should take their kids to do volunteer work absolutely um or join a boys and girls club or do something that uh inspires giving back but With kids, I think it was really important to have the visual of, you know, less fortunate so that they're grateful.
1: I mean, I had it. I knew what could have happened had I not worked hard. I had the opportunity to go back and see where my family was and see where people were who were less than fortunate. And it motivated me to keep moving harder.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing too. I think that you know, sports organizations and stuff do too is usually at some point they have um, the team, you know, serve soup on Thanksgiving or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that stuff's important, it, it is, is. it's is it, perspective,
1: right? It's just because you have a bubble doesn't mean everybody's bubble is the same.
0: Yeah, my bubble is real <laughs> tight and close to me. Oh, yeah. There's there's not a lot getting past my bubble. <laughs> the That's way people like live. <laughs> yeah, the way people live. Sometimes I'm like, what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, you do this every day? Holy shit. Whoa. Consistently
0: surprised by people's lives and lifestyles.
1: I feel like that's why I love reality TV so fucking much, because it's just yeah, that's every corner, every corner. Like, okay, 90 Day came out with a new, you know, season with another other way stories, and I'm like, oh my god, this guy's 42 years old and he still doesn't know what he's doing with his life. And I was like, uh-huh. I was like, I can kind of relate. <laughs>
0: right. I know. I
1: mean, I thought I had it figured out when I was young. And then I don't.
0: No, I remember when I was young and people asking you like, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? Or like, what do you want to go to school for or whatever? <laughs> and several family members being like, I'm 40 and I still don't know. And now that I'm 40, I'm like, I get it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I wish I would have been like. Is it okay if I don't know? And someone been like, "Yep, that's totally fine."
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, it is. Oh my god! Uh, so,
1: time. You were talking, but we couldn't hear you.
0: Oh, I said, I guess it's at a girl time.
1: Oh yes, it is. Bet it is.
0: Um, atta girls are just pats in the back, positive reinforcement congratulating ourselves for doing something good or something good that's happened so like recording uh, Sarah today what
1: <laughs> like recording early today
0: sure sure <laughs>
1: <laughs> um my atta girl so I have I went on vacation it was my birthday this past weekend and I let a lot of like what i think should happen on vacation go you know from when i was younger like having a schedule having a plan doing all these things and we took one day and it wasn't not very nice out either but we took one day to like sleep in and just like what are we going to do today and i'm really proud of myself because that's hard for me to do i need a plan and we didn't have one and i was okay with it and the day went great it was a super fun time like I always feel like when I'm on vacation, like I should be doing something because I'm not at work and I, I should be doing something. Mm. I forgot. That's not the point.
0: Yes, that has been ingrained in us from when we were younger. And I let that go a long time ago because that's not vacation. No,
1: me. the nineties, man.
0: <laughs> right.
1: So um I decided to tack on two extra days on my vacation to just hang out at my house. And not worry and just relax here. So yeah, when we're done, I'm going to go make some dinner and hang out in my garden. That's growing.
0: (laughs) Good. Good. I know sometimes it is hard to not have the guilt behind it because you're like, well, I'm only here for a short amount of time. I should try to see as much as I can or squeeze in as much as I can. And I'm like, well... But I also only stay at a hotel that's like super comfy and quiet every so often.
1: <laughs> right. <Exactly. laughs> I
0: only sleep through the whole night every so often. So.
1: <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, we did. It yeah. Was, it was a good time.
0: Yeah, Good. I'm glad that you guys had fun. Me too. Enjoyed your birthday weekend.
1: Me too. It was like, never been to Atlantic City before, you know, I don't really hear much about it. I don't really care for New Jersey as a state in general already. And it just went on a whim because there was a concert and it was like, if Vegas and Detroit had a baby and it lived on the ocean, that's Atlantic city, like a little ghetto, not too bougie. Things are cool. There's a lot of fun things to do and see, but at the end of the day, it's like reasonably priced.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay
1: and the human. Yeah, thing. that description
0: doesn't exactly make me want to go. No, it was
1: it was cozy. It was like a comfortable comfortable feeling. I don't know why.
0: Okay. A little home away from home, I guess. Kind of. Um, so my add girl is that I planted a million snapdragon seedlings. Um Yesterday, it was unexpected with my weekend schedule. So <laughs> I had different things that I had to get pushed to today or whenever I can do them. But my neighbor across the street texted me and was like, Oh, I have some Snapdragon seedlings. Would you like some? And I was like, Sure. Cause I could then just put them in like the little holes, like the little areas that had gaps in my yeah. landscaping. Um, this girl. So she brings over (laughs) (laughs) the trays that flowers come in. Mm -hmm. They're like little cells and little
1: black one by one cubes or whatever.
0: Well, yeah, except for this was this is the full tray. Yeah. So there's 24 in a tray or some shit. Yes. Yes. Something like that. Probably were 24. So she brings over like a three fourths. Like three quarters full tray. And I'm thinking that you pull the like little bunch out of that little one by one cell. Mm-hmm. And you plant that little bunch.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No. no, no, no. Yeah. You separate them yep. and you plant each one individually. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yes, there's a lot.
0: I, I, I don't know. I really got rolling and then I got really annoyed Uh and it was starting to get tedious. I got sunburned shoulders because I didn't plan on being out there that long. And
1: (laughs) I thought I was planning 12. Turns out there was
0: 36. (laughs) Oh, like 136, like (laughs) insane. And so I just give myself credit for like keeping going and not just (laughs) bailing on it because I knew at the end that it would look weird.
1: Right. And it would if I just hit done, cause you would never get back to
0: it. No, I, yeah. I was like, as soon as I stop this, this is it. Like I'm never coming back to this. So <laughs> the bit I have left over, I'm actually going to give away to somebody else. Um, cause I could not, I don't even have enough places for them because they require like eight hours of sun. So, um, was snapdragons. <laughs> yeah. So my, seriously, my whole landscaping is going to be like snapdragons. Um, I didn't even ask her what color they are. I.
1: That's even funnier.
0: I know. I looked at her, though, when she was like, you have to break these apart. She goes, I put like four seeds in each little like one by one compartment because you don't expect them to all right. take.
1: That's what I did with all my tomato plants and they all fucking took.
0: Same. I was like, where were you growing these? Like, what was ha- like? Why do you have so many? If she's like, oh, in my basement, I got a grow light. I've just been kind of like, you know, playing around with them. She's like, I had them like in there all winter growing.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I love this.
0: Yeah. So she walks them over and it really it, it went from like, oh, I'm just going to plant like 12 of these to like seriously 144.
1: Plant <laughs> well, a girl. I can't wait to see them all bloom because they are beautiful. Do. Flowers.
0: I know. I didn't tell her I was done yet, but she can, like, she literally lives across from me. So she'll be able to see them bloom.
1: That's so funny. I love this. It's a fun little adventure.
0: Conversation about my peonies. And she's like, how do you have them standing up? Because like from the sidewalk, you can't tell that I have um, tomato cages around them. Okay. To keep them standing up instead right. of like flopping over. Mm-hmm. And so then she hands up me. The Snapdragon seedlings. She's like, I'm going to go put tomato cages up right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. I need to plant some peonies. <laughs> now I think about it. I love them.
0: So, anyway, that's uh, my attic girl.
1: Not a girl, pretty you. Landscaping is going to landscaping
0: persistence annoying. because you have to think of the end result. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: And I will say I was, I've (laughs) never been a huge fan of, and like, of like manicured lawns or whatever, but I do enjoy a good plot of landscaping. Like Mm. I Mm. do, I can enjoy those. So can't wait to see them all.
0: Yeah. Well, and you have to be strategic because they get like two feet tall.
1: Exactly. Oh man. It's going to be so cool. I'm so excited. (laughs) Well, fingers
0: crossed. I mean, shit.
1: Oh, stop. We'll grow. They have to (laughs) They're in the ground already. <laughs> oh my god well
0: if you liked what you heard today please rate review and subscribe we'd love for you to tell your friends about us and you can follow us on instagram at home underscore chronicles um you can dm us a hoe of history to request or send us an email um
1: or if and, you have a hoe in your family that's historic and she's not famous, so, you know, you can call and tell us a story. It's cool. We got that.
0: <laughs> we'll take any story. Um, <laughs> and then there's Home Ants merch available on my Etsy store. So etsy.com slash shop slash Nicole Bonneville. And um, if, if you're up for a wild ride with the... Close group on Facebook. It's the Homies Chronicles, a judgment-free zone. It has nothing to do with anything that we've talked about recently. <laughs> it's just overtly sexual. That's okay. That's a good time. <laughs>
1: we enjoy it. Uh, That's awesome. Well, anyway, there's that. Homies oh, out.
0: Yeah.